Hello again, Rabbi. Morning, Joe. So to continue our discussion about the Sermon on the Mount, you are the salt of the earth. Uh, you are the light of the world. And But those reference uh, things that can be lost or something that can't be seen. Can you talk about that a little bit? Certainly. Let us keep in mind that Jesus is a itinerant preacher and he had, he had been taught maybe by Rabbi Gamliel, maybe by some of the other scholars of the period. And he was addressing both Jews and Gentiles, non-Jews. And sometimes we lose sight of the fact that the Christianity as we know it, that wasn't in existence then, that would develop over time. And so he's an itinerant preacher and he's using his teachings for his background. And one of the teachings in Judaism is the, from the prophets, you are to be a light to the nations. And this is linked up with the idea of the chosen people, chosenness. Well, you're chosen to be a light to the nations. It's unfortunate that we talked about being chosen because our minds go to special or different. Oh, the teacher chose me or the principal or my boss chose me. And we somehow think of it as special treatment or something outside. But if you think about it, stop for a moment. Usually when the chief used to choose me for something, it usually wasn't for special treatment or something necessarily outside the realm of our normal tour of duty. Usually it meant, I have something I want you to do because you have a skill or talent for it. And it didn't mean anything other than to be a light to the nations, to live by action, by example. And so very good rabbinic teaching, very good Christian teaching. Jesus is saying, I want you to live a life so that when other people look at you, they will say, I love the teaching. What teachings is that person using? Look what a good life they have. I want to follow them. Not because they knock on my door, not because they yell at me, not because they accuse me of anything. It doesn't say that. It talks about action. It talks about good deeds. What a great common theme. What a great theme. So that leads well into the... Uh to the next verse uh, about the law of the prophets, because it's not about specific laws or abolishing laws. The prophets, the Hebrew prophets, their complaint was people were performing ritual and not leading right lives, not leading good lives, not taking care of the widow, the orphan or the poor. People weren't doing the right thing. The teaching is, not to do ritual without the acts that go with it. The ritual is to remind us of what to do. And therefore, we all want to be a light to the nation. We all want our behavior to be exemplary. So um, I know a topic that has great interest to you uh, is, is the uh, passages concerning anger and saying that, uh, the command, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. And you have an observation about how that is distinct from the 
common interpretation of the commandment, which is thou shalt not kill. In the Ten Commandments, the Hebrew word thou shalt not murder, and the Hebrew word for murder is malice of forethought, malicious intent. It's what we call first degree murder now. When St. Jerome translated, he chose the Latin word kill. The Latin word at that time meant murder, but the word kill will change over time. So this is an example of how important it is to look at different translations and to understand the text and not take the translation as given by God. We wanna look at what the truths are, what's being said. And here, the passage chosen in Greek is murder, which was what was familiar to Jesus and what was in the 10 commandments. So you're uh, not looking for a loophole. No, <laughs> not looking for any kind of a loophole. Just long as let's look at what was said and not changing it to fit with a different agenda. So you're, is this something that can be applied to, and this is a question I have asked many times. I had a friend who wondered out loud because he was uh, Catholic. He was also a fighter pilot in Vietnam. And uh, he often questioned what he, if what he did was wrong because he knew he had killed in combat. So there's no, again, that's exactly what I'm talking about. There is no prohibition against self-defense. There is no prohibition in the time of war. And that's what makes war so sad because both sides kill each other. And in the end, you brought up Vietnam. Vietnam is now a vacation place. People go to Vietnam and rave about how wonderful the people are, how nice the country is. And look at how many thousands of Vietnamese and American lives were lost fighting with each other, and now it's a place to go for vacation. I know another one that you are very interested in is verse 33 about oaths. Again, you have heard that it was said of those ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. Uh, but, do, but I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. So, how does that interpret to modern times? I mean, we swear oaths, we make promises. If, and we've had, this is a separate discussion we've had. Whenever we talk about anything, God has to be involved in it on, on every level, or we're just ignoring something. So, but how do we in, use that in everyday life? And what's the comparison between Jesus's interpretation and, you know, the Torah's? Certainly. Let, let's go back to that time. And one of the things we want to be careful of is pulling something out of context and putting it in a 21st century meaning. Okay. It says in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not swear an oath by my name. And God's name is yud Hey vav Hey, the tetragrammaton, the four letters, sometimes translated as Jehovah, sometimes translated as Yahweh. Neither one is correct because the four Hebrew letters have vowels that make it impossible to pronounce. So again, God in his wisdom, when he revealed his name, revealed it in a way so we can't pronounce it 
So we can't actually violate the commandment of using God's name because we can't say it. We can try English interpretations, but that's not God's name. So in biblical days, an oath meant specifically using God's name. It did not mean a vulgar vulgarity because vulgarities are culturally based. Many words that we use today that we consider vulgar started out as either compliments or neutral words. It's the context and go to different countries. In different countries, different gestures and different words are considered vulgar. That's an Emily Post question. God never prohibited. Keep in mind, God was in the Navy. He heard it all. And so he's not gonna be offended. I might be, so that's cultural, but let's go back to the oath. Jesus is referring, because he's living in biblical days, he knew the teaching, and the teaching said, you do not swear an oath in God's name. That's what we're talking about. And you wanna stay away from oaths and vows that use God's personal name. What you're talking about is determined by courts, by culture, by what's acceptable in our society. In the movies, someone will say, I'm telling you the truth. I swear this in my mother's name. Well, that has nothing to do with God, it's name. And is that an acceptable form of, will you tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I'm not using his name. I'm saying a higher power. And it's a matter of social convention. Is that acceptable? So we want to look back and say, in biblical days, what does an oath mean? Look at the Ten Commandments. The commandment says, do not swear an oath using God's personal name. There we have the definitions written down. And that's the context that we want to use for an oath or a vow. We also want to stay away from vile language. Why do we want to shock each other with words or terms that we consider offensive? It's what, sophomoric, childish, immature, embarrassing? And well, swear like a sailor. Okay. Sailors have a bad reputation for using foul language if we want to use that as our criteria. So mind your tongue. Keep my tongue from speaking vulgarities. Well, I had a friend once who was a chief petty officer and he was the most polite, well-spoken man I ever knew. But on that note, uh, so we should watch our language. We should uh, watch our attitude. We should think about uh, uh, fulfilling our promises to God and we should avoid murder, which is always good advice. So thank you, as always, for the good advice, Rabbi. You're very welcome. And I look forward to maybe continuing our discussion with the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, I think we need one more. <laughs>